0: Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And joining me today is Dave Beck of Paverson Games. You got a new game coming out on the horizon, man. How you feeling? Uh no sleep,
1: tired, anxious, uh, but excited. Very excited. Very happy to be here, too.
0: Well, Distilled is hitting Kickstarter here at the beginning of July, July 6th, if my notes are to be believed here, and this is Paverson Games' first release. This is your first Tabletop game design, but you are 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 not a novice when it comes to game design. Period. As I understand it, you're actually like a video game designer as well, or maybe you have some like academic history within video game design. Why don't you give me like the elevator pitch on who you are, Dave?
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, I'm so my name's Dave Beck. I'm the founder uh, and owner, all that stuff (laughs) of Paverson Games, and yes, creator, designer. Designer of Distilled. Um, my background is actually way back is more uh, studio art, so sculpture and, and drawing. That uh, paired with my passion and love for just technology, found myself doing lots of 3D modeling and animation. That then paired with my passion for games, found myself all of a sudden being interested in video games and video game design and art and world building. And so before I knew it, I was teaching at a university, um, uh, teaching game design and then founding a game design program. That's where I am now at the University of Wisconsin-Stout, uh, where I'm a professor of game design. Uh, there I have been for the last 10 years, uh, and I've, I've got some background in doing my own indie uh, art games, as well as video games for, for museums. But this, like you said, is my first foray into board game design and publishing. So
0: 2011 is when we would be in the wayback machine to when you started. So at the time, uh, because I'm I, I am going somewhere as it relates to tabletop games. <laughs> I'm not just polling for video game information here. But uh, at the time that you started as a video game design professor, um, was that like a, a relatively new academic study, or you know you you still had to uh earned some legitimacy within the academic circles when it came to like game design. You, you can't teach a class about game design. Oh. Totally, totally.
1: <laughs> totally. So I was I was hired, and I uh, amongst a big group of art and design faculty, you know, graphic design, industrial design, uh, painting, sculpture. And I can tell you, and I think I'd, I'd be happy to tell it to all 50 of them right now, <laughs> 75 of them right now. They all looked at me and said, oh, this guy's not going to last a year. Give me a break. Like right. game design? Yeah. Right. And we were known, the game designers were known for being some of the the worst artists as well because they just love playing video games. And um, and they might not necessarily have that background in art and design. And I can h- happily say we've completely changed it now. Those game designers are some of our best artists Uh, And best designers because uh, we've really worked to kind of grow the respect and understanding just like the industry has uh, for what that kind of type of field is about so yeah definitely that I started out and I was kind of the bottom of the barrel for sure. (laughs)
0: So how do you feel it ranks up the, the ludological side, the tabletop game design, as like a, a legitimate area of academic study compared to video game design? Because video games are so much more prevalent within our culture now, but also they haven't been ne- around nearly as long as tabletop games. And there's also this burgeoning growth of the the, the modern hobby game market. So do you feel like that there's an equal amount of respect there. Do you think you could be a board game or a tabletop game professor, uh, or is that something that's going to take some time in order to kind of build up from here?
1: Yeah, that's a great question Uh, that I think that many game design program, video game design programs. So when I say that it's usually video games, I think they've wrestled with for the last five to 10 years. Um, uh, and I think it to me, it kind of comes down to somewhat similar to if we compare something like uh, a student that wants to be a, a product designer or a, an architect. The first classes they take it, are usually a very traditional drawing class where they're drawing with charcoal at the still life in front of them. I'd like to liken board games to that same type of concept for video games. Our first class that we have our students uh, take as game designers at, at Stout, no video games. It's all board game, prototyping, working with with your hands, coming up with puzzles, coming up with, with uh, strategy and understanding the mechanics. So I really think board games are essentially kind of that foundation of that game design process. Uh, Tracy Fullerton is a very well-known uh, game designer, but also professor uh, out in California has, has released some amazing video games, but also she's written a book and it's one of the, probably the, the the best books in game design out there. And it's the same thing. It's a video game design book, but it basically says, well, I'm not going to bother teaching you about video <laughs> games here. The important part is to learn how to design board games because that takes it, breaks it down to its root where it has to be a good gameplay experience as opposed to a video game where they can, as we know, throw Throw you know flashes at you and and effects and 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 hide some of that sometimes uh, behind um, the, all the art and visuals as well. So I think it's very very important. I think it's a foundation to game design, and I do think that it's growing as you said, as the industry grows. I think we're going to start to see disciplines sub disciplines come out in certain programs, and we already are in certain cases across the country where it's more focused on on analog design as well.
0: Well, we're looking at distilled right now. We're looking at, you know, physical board games. And I'm actually looking at you. It's it's great for the audio version of this for me to describe what's going on in the background, right? You know? That that, that <laughs> makes great audio. But you know, you got in your background, you got your roots, your rising suns. I see some Puerto Rico over there. You got your your host of board games. And I, I'm wondering, at, at what point did you start getting attracted to physical games? Was it after falling in love with video games, and then you kind of made a, a detour into this physical realm, or have you always been into board games and tabletop games? Tell me about that kind of trajectory.
1: Yeah, yeah. really interestingly, a big a big fan of board games as a kid, as as many were, but for for me. Uh, I really enjoyed, um, uh, some of your more basic games, but at the same time, I, I, a friend of mine had a closet full of games and we'd oftentimes play Scotland yard. Uh, and I really liked it. It was something different than I usually would get to play with my family. It's still Uh, good. It's still good. Yeah. (laughs) I got, it is still good. I own it and I, uh, I still have my copy from a kid. So anyway, so I I played some, but then I kind of, shut that door. Honestly, I, d- I didn't play board games at all. And then it was uh, probably about eight or nine years ago. My wife as a gift got me Dominion. Oh, and, OK. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, <it>. I was, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is interesting. A board game. Really, honey? I mean, thank you. But I, I don't I have video games. I don't need this. And I had some friends over just to try it out, and play. And I couldn't believe it. Like I was so unbelievably blown away by how amazing that experience was that I was hooked like line and sinker. And of course, you know, you know how it is it always is this way. Then you just go down that deep, deep chasm of, of acquiring all the games.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's inevitably how it happens. And I mean, deck building games, Dominion specifically. I mean, Donald X came up with something that just completely shifted the entire landscape of tabletop games. And even if you'd played things like Magic the Gathering or Pokemon or any of that to Kind of take the meta element, the the outside of the game element that feels so cool of constructing things, and put it into the game as a mechanic itself, is the best. Uh, so yeah. it's no wonder that that game hooked you along with tons of people out there. I mean, it, it's still a, a kind of jaw dropping experience if you haven't played mm-hmm. a deck building game to sit down with Dominion. Now, mm-hmm. did you immediately go from that to like? I could make a board game. I mean, a
1: lot of people do. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if you're not, not a game I can design do, a paper. professor, yeah, yeah. It's just some paper and. <laughs>
0: Everyone goes through that experience where they they start out playing a game, they play their Catan or their Kingdom Builder or their their Dominion or whatever, and they get a couple games under their belt, and they're not really aware of the vast swaths of games that are out there, and they assume, well, there's probably like 10 good games that have been made at this point, so I can make the 11th one. And, And so you sit down and you start designing things, and it's kind of clunky, and you're like, what am I even doing here? Uh, and you realize that people have done what you've done so many times over, except much better uh, as you immerse yourself in more and more games. Was that you? Was that your was that common experience, your initial instinct too to sit down and be like, I'm making the best game, the 11th game?
1: <laughs> so, uh, no. So it, interestingly enough, I, I played it. I got hooked. I started buying more games. I realized this is what I want to do in my free time. Mm. friends around a table, right. uh, enjoying an experience. But I have absolutely no interest or even no, would know where to begin um, with my own game. So that's kind of where I took that stance for years. Of course, I was teaching um, uh, this introductory game design class uh, from time to time. But again, same thing. It's more of just working with exercises. Um, and I was focusing on video games that I I had a four years of working on one game myself for quite a long time, a video game. Um, so I had no interest, but it was with distilled out of nowhere. I, my, my, again, I am just going to keep referencing my partner, but my wife uh, said, uh, kept saying, Oh, you're going to design a game. One of these days, a board game. I know it. And I'm like, no, I'm not no interest. <laughs> no, I want to play them. I don't want to design them. Cause I know if I design one, I'm never going to get to play games again. Cause I'm going to have to play that darn game over and over again. Right. So, right. Uh, but then out of nowhere, It happened, hit me over the head, and I got the bug again, and I've been doing that nonstop now. So How long ago was that? Just just about two years ago, a year and a half, two years. So I haven't been working on it for that long, Uh, but um, for those that know me, uh, I I basically – I work and then I get home and I do this straight, all day, all night, uh, all weekend – uh, so, but it's been almost two years of working on distilled.
0: Burning the midnight oil. That's did right. you start with theme or did you start with mechanics?
1: I started with uh, a, a dram of scotch. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a little bit of whiskey. No, but uh, I st- I started entirely with theme. A hundred percent. And I think that's partly because of my background as an artist, but also I was a history minor or history major in undergrad, too. Uh, So I'm really focused more on that idea of theme and story. Mm -hmm. And then I I decided to let that kind of drive how the mechanics unfolded from there.
0: That's a good call. That's a good call. So so once you started developing some mechanics, like what was the aha moment for like, this is something different because at this point if we're if i'm following my timeline if i got everything mapped out as uh, explained so far you had been uh, uh playing board games for maybe like seven or so years at this point and so you'd seen a lot you have those games on your shelf now you you've seen the innovation the changes and everything and i imagine you as as a professor uh as an academic <laughs> you you <laughs> You don't just want to introduce a reskin of an already existing concept that has been done to death. You want something that's fresh and invigorating and exciting. Something that you would see on the table and be like, I want to buy this game. (laughs) So, like, what was the moment in the development of this game where you felt like this is very different from everything else that's out there or enough. So combined with this theme that I really want to make a go of this being the debut game for us.
1: Yeah. So, uh, interestingly enough, again, kind of ties back to the professor route ties back to the, I wasn't looking for this route kind of came out of nowhere. I was in 2019, uh, summer and fall of 2019. I was actually over in Scotland doing research, um, uh, around a sabbatical that I had as a professor which basically means I was away for a semester doing research instead of teaching. Uh, so very lucky and fortunate to be able to have that happen. Um, I was over there and I was actually doing research on uh, historical Scotland, focusing on augmented reality and virtual reality. So again, still games, video games and, and that type of uh, technology. Um, it was over there one night, I couldn't sleep. And uh, the, the idea for the game literally popped, again, after maybe a drink or two of scotch, the idea popped in, <laughs> popped into my head um, that, oh my gosh, I had toured a bunch of distilleries up until that point. And I thought, wait a minute, there's this really interesting part about distillation, which is that the first part of the run that comes off the still Mm -hmm. and the last part of the run of the, of the, of the liquid is actually toxic. It's, it's, you can't drink it. It'll blind you. It's not good. But distillers (laughs) always reuse it. So they take it and they put, they set it aside and then they run it through again to reuse it for a new batch. And I thought, wait a minute, this could be interesting. Like I could work with some sort of deck mechanic where you blindly take the top, you shuffle things, you blindly take the top card and the bottom card as the head and the tail, the first part of the run and the last part, and you remove those. So you're kind of pushing your luck, but I could try and represent a distillery in the process of distilling and aging, which is kind of romantic, and selling and hiring people. And so that all happened in one night in terms of conceiving of this idea about a game about distillation. It was originally going back to Dominic, a uh, 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 deck builder, um, and so with all of that, I, um, uh, realized that the combination between this kind of head and tail cut the top and bottom card and the theme, like you mentioned, uh, where there's really no other game out there about spirits, about distilling alcohol. There's games about beer and water, yeah, yeah, totally. liquor that I thought, you know what, there's something here. I need to keep pushing this harder than just, would this be cool if, um, so that's kind of how that happened
0: speaking of games with spirits i mean i don't know that i've really talked about this much on the the cardboard herald uh but uh me personally i am i'm a a teetotaler i i don't drink right Mm -hmm. um which is you know like it's not uh like any sort of moral objection to alcohol or anything it's like a personal choice and that kind of stuff but you know like is that a consideration when you make a game about spirits, you know, like viticulture is one of my favorite games, but I wonder if there was any cost benefit analysis to making a game themed around alcohol of like oh, some people might be uncomfortable totally. with this yep, as yep. a theme.
1: Yeah, to- totally. I, that was something that I've had to had to think about very hard as well as talk about when I'm talking about the game because um for anyone that plays the game, they immediately realize, "Oh, like it's not about. Well, obviously it's not about drinking. Well, maybe not obviously. It's not about <laughs> drinking at all. Right, right. Um, it's about the craftsmanship it's more about
0: that's involved. Alchemy,
1: yeah. It's alchemy. It's it's science. It's business. It's uh yeah. It's craftsmanship. Uh, and very much like um, viticulture or brewcrafters are two alcohol themed games that are worker placement. This is not worker placement. It's it's heavily card based, but it's the same concept where I have I have to tell help people understand that no, this is it could be about making tea like chai, right? Mm -hmm. It could be, um, but yes, it happens to be um, that industry. And it is something that I try and be respectful of. You know, I don't want this to be a, a, you know, a trigger for people or for people that not be something that people aren't interested in, kind of like what you said with viticulture. I want this to be something that uh, regardless of whether you know, or are interested in that theme, you'll still find uh, engaging, which I, I hope to be the case.
0: Yeah, I, I think most people, um, you know, who, who don't have, like, maybe a moral objection to uh, alcohol can realize that there is a craftsmanship to this. There's a heritage. There's a, an entire, like, cultural identity in many cases that surround uh, the, the the process of creating yeah. as well as consuming alcohol. You know, there, there are beloved rituals that involve alcohol that are are very important from family perspectives and even religious perspectives so you know it kind of crosses the gamut um so I, I can totally see why someone would be interested in, you know, in our home, you know, my my wife drinks. So, you know, she's like, <laughs> all right, I'll have a glass of wine and play viticulture. And yeah, I'm sure exactly. if, uh, you know, we, we had uh, uh, this on the table, you know, she'd be like distilled is yet another excuse here. That's, um, that's and that right. would be great. So w- when you're developing this game when do you know that it's done like that that's one of the most curious things to me as a consumer not a designer as a consumer of games who's interested in the process of creative individuals is like how do you not overcook
1: it yeah such a good question it's i don't think there's a there's a there's unfortunately i wish there was a thermometer i could stick in that thing and it would like the red thing (laughs) pops up like oh good oh good i I thought it had more time. This is great. I'm done. Uh, But yeah, that's, um, or a timer. That's not, it's not the case. Um, I think what I found was that um, I went through, I could talk about this forever, but I went through rigorous play testing, a lot of it, of course, online over the past year and a half. Um, And uh, I could see as I refined things and, and accepted some people's feedback and decided not to accept other people's feedback or implement other people's feedback. Um, I could see that 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 window uh, or that that volume of feedback to change certain things or to be critical about certain things, especially when you hear it repeated by multiple people right. um, uh, that was starting to disappear to the point now where um i, I when we play test the game, I work with a, a developer a friend of mine but also a developer over in the u k richard who who's been working um on the play testing as well with me. we're at that point now where we know. Yeah, every so often people have something to nitpick about, but it's not necessarily uh across the board. The game is the game doesn't break, right? The the game feels balanced when people play and the scores end up, you know, uh relatively close to each other. So, it's some of those flags that pop up and I think once you see enough of those flags that pop up or you stop hearing people raise the red flag, um uh that's when you can kind of start to say, "Okay, it's good." But I'd also say last thing about that is that it's not done yet, right so I've, I'm bringing it to Kickstarter um, and uh, we're continuing to play test. Uh, there's little tweaks here and there we're still continuing to do, so honestly I don't think it's going to be done until we realize, okay, we need to be happy with where we stand now, and it's time to send that away to the to the manufacturer so right, right you know
0: i, I I'm trying to think of a quote by another. Professor, though not of game design, uh, but a game designer, uh, Richard Garfield, uh, he had some sort of meditation on luck in games. And, and I can't think of the quote right now. And Google is not uh, coming back to me. Um, Board Game Geek is uh, or maybe actually this is on Board Game Design Lab. We're going over here to, to Gabe. Uh, this is, again, great podcasting. Yep, probably. Uh, but uh I, I'm not finding the exact uh, quote, but the idea is that uh, he was talking about how when it comes to game design, you want to have an element of luck. There has to be some sort of random element. Otherwise, it is too deterministic. I mean, yes, there are games out there that have no luck whatsoever, but for making it something accessible to Uh, even a moderate size audience you still have to have some sort of chance that the the underdog can overcome you still have to have some sort of chance that the you know if you're falling behind that the the right card for me right now can kind of take me back there or the the wrong card for my opponent can kind (laughs) of throw a wrench in their plans where do you fall when it comes to like how much luck you like in your games and, and how did you implement luck or random chance into distilled
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so i think it, it also for me with games and luck it depends on the audience or the the party i'm playing with as well as the setting so you know if, if i'm sitting down to play something that's a couple hours an hour too long couple hours long I I want, I'm fine with a little bit of luck, but yeah, like you said, I want just a little bit there uh, so I can also develop a strategy where if it's something that's more of a party game or a shorter game, I I think there's also, there's probably some sort of interesting kind of spectral scale that um, the longer a game is, the less luck there might be, right? So um, those shorter games have a lot more, which is good because then you can start over and do it again. Um, So with Distilled, so I'm kind of in the middle where I, I appreciate... Quacks of Quedlinburg, uh, I'm glad it's the length it is, right? Um, uh, and some people have likened uh, Distilled, not to Quacks of Quedlinburg, but it has a, a, a tiny push your luck element to it like that. Um, and in, in Distilled it's more of a mitigate your luck, and I, I think that's where I try and find that happy medium, where the game uh, goes through every single round, you are distilling alcohol, and when you do, you're taking cards out of a deck that is essentially your recipe. And if you accidentally, if you, you're you shuffling those and you take the cards out that would have fulfilled that whiskey recipe or that that gin recipe, you've gone from making those to a spirit like moonshine or vodka. So there's always something you're going to make there. So that's what I've tried to do is that there's always this backup that if you bust, quote unquote, um, you're not totally busting. You're just making something else. And it's worth a lot of money as opposed to points. Um but I've also tried to set things up with uh, different mechanics like a building a tableau, uh, which would be you hiring distillery workers or equipment, uh, as well as uh, other other ways you can go about mitigating that luck. So that's kind of where I stand and why I appreciate and wanted to make sure luck was part of the game. I feel it, it adds to the replayability and kind of coming up with those moments that you remember, like, Oh, remember that time when I went to make <laughs> yeah. that tequila and it had, I don't know when I aged it in the warehouse, I pulled it out and it had rubber tire flavor, you know, or whatever it might be. Um, in this game, I've tried to add some of that to it without, um, punishing the player, uh, as much as helping to create those stories and those memories. <laughs> we're, we're in the mid June area and you have about half a month before this
0: puppy is going to launch on kickstarter what are your next steps aside from coming on to podcasts with extremely charming and handsome podcast yes, hosts? exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> um oh man oh uh, so right now a glimpse into my life um i'm connecting with uh different previewers content creators who have the game uh right now and kind of going back and forth with them answering questions they might have um I'm working really hard with my artist, Eric Evanson, who did all the art and graphic design for the game. Uh, he's also and he's also a college professor here at UW-Stout in design, general design. Um, and so I'm working with him on uh, developing the Kickstarter page. And I'll tell you, it's so funny. Um, you know, I I a year and a half ago, I, I got into this because I was so excited about designing this game. Uh, and over the last month or so, it's turned into like, oh, I'm a designer. Oh, I, I guess I forgot that because all I'm doing <laughs> is writing emails and, and getting quotes from the factory. And, you know, uh, so it's the a very different The widgets to be space.
0: accounted for, Dave.
1: <laughs> Think of right, the widgets. I know, all the widgets. So, yeah, so so that's my life right now. Um, uh, as well as communicating, I I do, you know, I have a pretty strong Facebook group community around the game. So that's been great to engage with them. Um, getting it online for people, so uh, on Tabletopia, working with someone else on that um, uh, to make it playable, so that people can experience it when the game is live on Kickstarter. So yeah, it's kind of crazy right now. It's it's almost every day, all day, just kind of grinding away. Not on the game's design necessarily, but more so on the the publishing side of it. Throughout the process of developing this game, about how many separate
0: games have you started like design docs for? Oh jeez. <laughs>
1: Um, it does, it starts with one, but it doesn't end there. Yep. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. So I've got, I've got, well, uh, so in addition to distilled, I've got about four other games in the back of my head that I've, I've scribbled down notes, but, um, uh, and that I hope to, you know, look at, uh, uh, afterwards, but it's so funny the way I work and the way my brain works and how I, how I, um, how I accomplish things kind of as far as tasks and goals is I dive into the deep end on that one thing mm-hmm. and I don't think about anything else. So it's more like I scribbled some stuff down and I'll come back to it later, but I've been like living and breathing and my friends and my family will tell you as well that, um, I've been living and breathing nothing but distilled for the last year and a half.
0: <laughs> I, I bet. I bet. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't want to portray you as like a, a cocky individual, uh, or anything, but <laughs> you know, like I, I Kickstarter is a very different thing than it has been in the past. And I got to imagine that you're going into it with a a pretty good amount of confidence because you've developed this game so much more than what maybe uh, a person in your shoes would have done five years ago or even 10 years ago. Well, I don't know that Kickstarter was truly a thing 10 years ago, but there were early games on Kickstarter and they weren't in the state in which Distilled is right now and there are so many resources available i mean i mentioned board game design lab is a fantastic yeah. resource um occasionally we say something smart on this channel uh it's <laughs> it's a rarity but it is known to happen from time to time uh and and also there there are tons of game design communities there's unpub and all that kind of stuff so there is a risk there is a potential darkest timeline in which still doesn't fund but mm-hmm. i mean this just smacks of a game that's going to go up it's going to fund it's going to be no problem people are going to love it and it from your point of view from from where you're sitting is it a matter of like you are confident that it's going to fund no worries there but it's a matter of like how much is it going to fund and stretch goals or are you genuinely in a place where you're like uh, I hope this, this hits our dollar
1: mark of getting mm-hmm. funded at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's something that definitely keeps me up at night. <laughs> um, I, I think based on, so I had, I had a, I had a choice about a year ago. Uh, I talked with some friends who had been through Kickstarter process before, well, not 10 years ago, like you said, but close like eight, seven years ago. And, um, and I, whenever I talk to them about it, I, I refer to it as the wild west. Cause it was, it was a very yeah. different time. Yeah, right? totally. You could throw it like some scratches, some scribbles up like, Hey, <laughs> give me, give me $10,000. Like, Oh sure. Take yeah. it. So, so that's, I had a ch- choice. I feel like about a year ago to say, okay, I could launch this thing soon. So I could launch it. Like at the time I could say I could launch it in the fall of 2020, um, in the pandemic, but I could do this, uh, and I could go for it and I thought, or I could wait, I could do it, wait an entire year, uh, work, build up to this. Uh, and I realized, to me at least, if I had launched a year or not a year ago, but launched last fall, I would have probably, I would hopefully have been able to make my funding goal, um, which is which is around $18,000. Um, I would like to have hoped, but uh, the game was in a very different space then, very different uh, uh, everything about it. Um, and it would have been closer to that Wild West idea of like, I've been working on this for just about a year. What do you think? Um, but I decided not to, and I decided to go all in on the other other approach where I, I'm gonna basically take the next year to build up to it. I'm gonna listen to your podcast. I'm gonna listen to Gabe's podcast. I'm gonna listen to, I'm gonna participate in communities. Uh, I'm gonna read books, right? I'm gonna read Jamie's blog, like everything, right? And some of the stuff I've been doing already, but like really intently doing it. Um, and I'm going to invest some money in this. I'm going to hire, I'm going to I'm going to bring a team on, not just me. I'm going to do this right and kind of learn from mistakes of others have made, learn from successes. Um so I'm a long answer to that is that I I I mean like you said, I don't want to paint myself as as cocky. I'm hopeful knock on wood that we are going to fund. Um and I'm really I I'm confident I should say that we are going to fund over the course of the nearly 30-day campaign. Um But uh, I'm hopeful that we'll go beyond that because I've got some really I'm really excited about some of the things that we're going to be able to do if we can get the community engaged in around around this idea. So time will tell. Um, uh, Maybe I'll be eating my words. I'm not sure. But I I really hope I really hope that I'll uh, that we'll be in a happy place uh, come early mid-July. Well, I'm confident that you're going to be in a
0: happy place, so I want to know that 30 days into that Kickstarter, or however long it's going to take, when you have finished that Kickstarter, you've just reached the culmination of two years of burning the midnight oil, and yes, there is more work to be done at that point. But what are you going to do to celebrate? What are you going to do as like taking one day off to set distilled aside and say, yes, it, it is a reality. And now I can take some time for me.
1: Totally. Well, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm gonna be doing, uh, going to be doing going to we always go to Michigan and visit uh, some family up there. So we'll do that for sure in August. But um, the thing I'm probably going to do, and this is, shows you how behind I am on catching up. Is I've had uh, the Last of Us two video game in plastic wrap <laughs> since the day it was released. I hope you've I avoided, avoided
0: spoilers. Okay. I hope you've avoided yeah, yeah, spoilers. Yeah,
1: no spoilers. Uh, so I, um, I, I'm actually, it's funny. I'm really looking forward to that, and I'm really looking forward to just becoming obsessed with board games again, where I get to play them because I, I just don't, I don't get a chance to do that much anymore. Um, so I think those are the, those are the things I'm going to be doing. And of course, spend time with family. I'd get in trouble if I didn't say that. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so that, that's the funny, that's the thing that's been laughing at me this whole time is this, this game that I've been excited to play for going on. I want to say like two years, I, I don't know how long it's been, been there, but, uh, so I'm looking forward to that.
0: All right. Well, like I said, I'm confident that it's going to come out great. Dave Beck, thank you so much for coming on to the show. For you in the audience, in podcast land, in YouTube land, check out the video or podcast description for all the links to Distilled that are going to be up. Hopefully I'll get like the Kickstarter landing page. And certainly by the time that the Kickstarter goes up, I'll have the live links in there. That's coming July 6th. Once again, Dave, thanks for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you, Jack, so much. This has been great.